First of all, I'm so psyched that I can talk to you about this right now because you have such a big voice for for young women who are also suffering with this kind of issue. And if they see you making that commitment or even having a conversation like this, that's going to help so many people. I just want to acknowledge that. Hi, I'm Arielle Charnas, and this is In-House, my podcast about all the happenings in my life. Whether it's fashion, entrepreneurship, marriage, or mom life, you'll hear it all right here on In-House. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of In-House with me, Arielle Charnas. Joining me today is a fellow mom, speaker, and author. I'm excited to welcome Gabby Bernstein to the show. Gabby Bernstein is a number one New York Times bestselling author, life coach, and professional speaker known for her spirituality and meditation practices. For over 15 years, Gabrielle Bernstein has been transforming lives, including her own. What started as hosting intimate conversations with 20 people in her New York City apartment, Gabby has grown into speaking to tens of thousands in sold-out venues throughout the world. She's a mom of one and a self-proclaimed spirit junkie. Her newest book, Happy Days, The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace, is out now. Hi, Gabby. Ariel. Hi, my love. Thank you so much for joining. I feel like we've been like DMing occasionally, like we've just needed to connect at some point. So I'm very happy. It's usually me being like, where did you get that? (laughs) (laughs) Anything that's not tagged, I'm like, where did you get that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so let's just start off with introducing, you know, just a little bit about yourself and your career and what drew you to become a speaker and a life coach. Yeah. So I've been in this field for 16 years. Wow. I was brought up very spiritual. I had a lot of uh, experiences meditating as a kid, going to visit ashrams, being named by the gurus. Right. All the while growing up in Larchmont, New York, you know, it's not like. Right, right. (laughs) But my mom was really on a path, on a spiritual path. And so she really was guiding me in that direction. And I had the privilege of having that spiritual seed planted at a very young age But then I turned my back on it big time. And through the experience of depression and anxiety in high school, I started to look for relief in all the wrong places. So throughout college, and particularly when I graduated college and went to New York and started a PR, a nightlife PR company. And so from 20 to 25, I was running this nightclub PR company. That's young. It was young and it was hard and fast. Right. And I mean, you know, you, you know that that world mm-hmm. and being young and being sort of an egomaniac and seeing yourself as like, I've got this business and I'm, you know, re- representing nightclubs right. led me down a pretty dark path of drug addiction. So by the time I was 25, I was severely addicted to cocaine and just had this stack of self-help books next to my bed right. and would be at these after-hours parties with complete strangers in my apartment and be pointing at the at the self-help book stacked next to my bed and say, you know, I'm going to be a motivational speaker and a self-help book author. And they'd be like, yeah, you know, go fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> like, nice try. Um, <laughs> and, and truthfully, like, I really I had this sense and this knowing that I had an an empowering message to share and a message of transformation because I was on a deep seeking path for that own my own happiness and my own well-being even in the midst of my addiction. Uh, and by the grace of God, you know, I on October 2nd of 2005 I said a prayer. I was like on my knees in my apartment 
coming down from drugs and alcohol, and I just prayed for a miracle. How did you get out of that? I think there's a beauty in hitting bottom. And there's this gorgeous quote from Rumi, the Sufi poet, the wound is the place where the light enters you. And so when you have these moments in time where you hit your bottom, and I've had many bottoms throughout my life, but that was the big one. Mm -hmm. That was the first big one. I said that prayer, I, want, I need a miracle. And I heard this internal voice say, get clean and you will live a life beyond your wildest dreams. And that was the day I got sober. I went to a meeting, I got sober, and I've been sober 16 years and uh, have just been, in, in my own sobriety, started out on this very devotional path of helping other people claim their own sense of well-being through wow. self-help methods and spiritual practices. That's incredible. Well, so you're a spirit junkie, right? Is that <laughs> what does that mean? What does a spirit junkie mean? Well, really, you know, when I when I got sober and I started, this is actually probably most interesting for your audience because when I first got sober, I went right like head first into all of the this 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 the realm of spiritual practices meditation it was sort of like when there was like this budding raw food movement happening in the east village like it wasn't like no one was drinking green juice nobody right. was gluten free like it was like you know i remember you know our mutual friend nicole berry she read this article that came out about me in 2009 right before my first book came out it was a sunday style story on the cover of the style section all about how you know all the girls that wanted to be like carrie bradshaw now were like coming to these like self-help talks right right and so it was the very beginning of of that new zeitgeist of wellness and the wellness world. And, you know, all the folks like Well and Good and um, Sakara Life, like they were all there in the, in the beginning with me, Mind, Body, Green. We were all kind of budding in this, in this new movement. And it was quite extraordinary to witness so many people kind of waking up to their own spiritual path. And so what I identified was I'm a spirit junkie. You know, I felt like I was right. a spiritual. And so my second book came out. I was looking for this title for my second book. And I was in a group coaching class. One of my students was like, I've just, you know, after class, I just went out and I was walking around the streets and I was just feeling so lit up. And I was like, you're a spirit junkie. And she was like, <laughs> and then I was like, that's my title of my book. And so that became my second book title. I love that. What does it mean to be spiritually connected? Like, I, how do I know if I'm like, I don't know. OK, so when you're out on the street. And you're doing your glam and you've got your hairs done, your makeup's done, you've got your outfit on, you're like in the flow with the photographer. You know, I'm just thinking about what I perceive as like your fun, your mm -hmm. joy, you know, or you're designing or you're like preparing the collection for the new season. You feel like almost – does it feel ever like time is just sort of still and you're in a flow state? Does that make sense to you? Yes. I feel that way with my with my kids. With your children. Okay, great. So you're inspired, you're at ease. You're you're not like hung up and, and But can I out. ask you something? When I feel that way, I get scared. Yeah, okay. Really important question. Good. So first things first. When you're in spirit, you're inspired. So you know that you're connected spiritually when you're in that source of inspiration, when you're in that flow of 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 joy and 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 Yep. freedom and time can expand in the moment, right? But when you have those moments of flow, your fear thoughts, the worrier within all of us, that part of us that's like, I have to be worrying in order to feel safe. 
or I have to be looking for problems in order to stay safe. Story of my life, but yeah. Right. And I know that you struggle with anxiety, so I really want to help you today. Um, I really can help you today. So what I what I would say is that storyline is very natural because when you lean anxious, the anxiety is actually a false form of protection. Right. It's like, you you know, you, we use all the worrying and we use all the anxiety as a form of saying, okay, well, I'm going to be in control. And truly, you know, the experience of anxiety and the experience of, of any kind of depression or PTSD is really the inability to be present. And so when you touch into those moments of presence with your children, you're like, ah, you know, I don't want to go there because yep. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm no longer in control. I'm no longer in control. That is so crazy. It's so accurate. Like, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And so what would happen if you began to befriend that anxious part of yourself, right? And so instead of trying to push that part of yourself away, what if you just, you know, took a moment. Embraced it. To get curious about it. Like, I wouldn't even be able to get a massage. because I can't get massages because I don't like to be, I don't like to, like, have to think like al- quietly and alone, mm-hmm. like, a terrifying feeling. But I feel like a lot of people like don't want to be left alone with their thoughts. Like I feel like I like to be super busy with work. I like to be super busy with my kids because that way I don't have time to like have anxiety. I'm like forced to be present almost, you know? There's a lot of under, so all anxiety and all depression all has a root cause condition. So typically there's like a point in our life, particularly as children, where we split off from that sense of safety. And in some cases, it's a biochemical condition that I've experienced in postpartum depression. I know very well what a biochemical condition is like. It is out of your control and needs medication, truly. And that is totally unapologetic about that when you're having a diagnosis that's a mental health issue. Right. But when we we all in our own lives experience these fragmented experiences as children and they we we experience this this moment of fear or many moments of fear and we don't process them properly and so then what happens is we pretty much just stay in this fight flight state for decades until we begin to be brave enough to reflect what what is it that i'm running from why am i running and how can i begin to undo this pattern and care for my care for that child part of myself that's gotten so whacked out, right? Because really, the anxiety is just a young part that's just like f- freaking out. Right. And so one of the biggest steps, and I just wrote this whole book called Happy Days, and the whole thing is the guided path from trauma to profound freedom and inner peace. And we all have that trauma, whether it's big T trauma or small T trauma. Big T is like being abused as a child or living through a catastrophic event. Small t traumas, being told you were stupid or growing up with an anxious parent or, you know, having an alcoholic in the household or something, even being bullied is a small t trauma. Mm -hmm. And so we are living in a state of reaction all the time, reacting from the childhood experiences that we never resolved. So right here, right now, what have you thought about that anxiety as just a part of you that's that needs a lot of care that needs a lot of compassion that needs a lot of calm energy towards it that needs some curiosity you know hey you know what do you need right now and 
there's three questions you could ask yourself in the moment when you notice the anxiety. You can notice it, right? Notice where it is in your body. And then ask yourself, what do you know about it? Like, I know it's younger. I know it's, it's I know it's like girl or I know it's little, right? Right. And then ask what it needs. What, like, what does my anxiety need right now? And usually things that we'll hear, I need to play. I need to breathe. I need to go for a walk. I need to, I need a hug. And so if you start to get into that dialogue with that part of yourself, it becomes something you don't have to run from anymore, but instead becomes a part of you that you can care for. Right. That's such an interesting way to look at it. Well, you're a beautiful parent, right? What if you started to consider the ways that you speak to Ruby and Esme and the ways that you care for your children? What if you did that for your internal system? I've never even thought about doing that. I'm, I'm going to try it. I feel like it's hard, though, because a lot of people are angry with their anxiety or, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, and so it's it's definitely it would be a, a challenge. But I think that's a really interesting way to go at it, you know, and, and try to figure out a different way to approach anxiety, you know. Well, what you resist will persist. So when you push down the anxiety or you right. force it away or you try to run from it, it runs faster. It spikes right. more it you know you can't you can't run from it and so the, right. the 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 goal is to interrupt the pattern right so you could even wear a rubber band around your wrist during the day and when you notice the anxieties pop up like slap that rubber band <laughs> but so let's say you notice that and you slap the rubber band right mm-hmm. and then you put your hand on your heart whichever hand feels the most safe and then put your other hand on your belly and just take a deep breath in and just breathe into that space wherever you feel anything up for you and just let it go. And don't judge it. Just breathe into it and let it go. And then just say something compassionate towards yourself to your, you know, silently or, or out loud. Just, I'm with you. I, I understand you. I'm not going to fight against you. Sorry you're having a hard time. You know, anything that you can say nice to, your, nice to your anxiety. So is this like meditation? Is that what like, what is meditation and how is it beneficial? Because I, I can't, I've, I hear it being thrown around all the time. And I have like so many friends who like wake up and do it. And I just don't get it. I could, ne- like, I feel like I could never. I've tried and I just like am so bored and I'm so uninterested. So, how does someone get into meditation and how does it help? Someone who leans anxious, a meditation could be as simple as a breath practice, and it could be one minute. I honestly, can I tell you something? I say I don't like to meditate, but I find myself when I have like a panic attack or I'm anxious, doing my like four second inhale, holding it for four seconds, letting box it out, breath, yeah, whatever that In is. For four out. When I I do it when I'm flying, I do it at nighttime when I'm having like a panic, and it actually helps me because I think about breathing and I stop thinking about what I'm anxious about. So like I'm a hater, but I do it. When you I do need do it. it, and you, you. So what would happen is if you did it, even when you don't need it, is it would become more second nature for you. Right. So it would be like okay, you know, the same way you'd get a coffee in the morning, right? And you know that coffee is right. going to make you feel good, and you know it's going to wake you up or whatever, and so you know it becomes that ritual. So the same way coffee becomes a ritual and right. something that you just wouldn't start your day without. What if you same thing with breathing for for the first one minute in bed, your girls wake you up in the morning? Yes. Oh yes. Do it with them. 
I should. I really should with my my oldest. She has so much anxiety. I should do it with her. So, okay, she's picking up your anxiety. All right, so what can you do to help her? You help yourself, period. It's so easy. It sounds so easy. (laughs) And let me tell you something. It doesn't sound, it's not particularly easy to change your pattern, but it's really not easy to live your life running from anxiety. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the, the practices can be very simple. And I think that for some someone, for your listeners, for someone like yourself, that's very, um, that leans anxious. And, and I have, I've been in recovery from an anxiety disorder myself. I'm very familiar with anxiety, postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. I had that too. So I'm very familiar uh, and I have a tremendous amount of compassion for it. And I also believe that there is a place and time for medication when it's needed. But I think you have to also have the tools. Will you tell us about your journey to conception and motherhood and your experience as a mother during the pandemic? Yeah, I actually might share a story here today that I've never shared before. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my motherhood journey has been not unique. I think a lot of people have these kinds of experiences. Where they, with, um, they call it infertility. I would call it timing around your conception that isn't your right. <laughs> optimal timing. My my child, my son, I um I spent three years trying to conceive naturally and it didn't work. And then finally realized, you know, it was, it was a lot of personal stuff I had to clear before I could conceive. And I, I really believe that we have to do a lot of personal growth work at times when we're blocked in any area of our life and that that's when a big opening can occur. And so I did a lot of personal growth work. I did a lot of healing work. I did a lot of, I had a lot of gastrointestinal issues that were related to my anxiety and stress. And I did a tremendous amount of work to heal that, mm-hmm. but particularly therapeutic work. And then did two rounds of IUI and had my son and had the perfect labor and delivery and then got postpartum depression. <laughs> but, uh, but, but in that in that PPD period, I was grateful for it because what happened was when I got medicated, I actually got to a place of safety that I'd never known before. And I was able to do much deeper healing work, which I write all about that in Happy Days of all the trauma work I did and, and the work that really changed my life and made me a, a really fucking happy person. And so then in 2020, I went down the road of IUI again, didn't work, then did, so I did four rounds of IUI, then I did like eight rounds of, like seven or eight rounds of IVF. I mean, I I was like, so it was like IUI, I mean, there were some failed cycles in between there, so there weren't full cycles. And then finally, I was like, you're overstimulating me. I'm 41 years old, whatever, stop. So did a low, low stimulation and I- got pregnant with like a, I got, I got a healthy, perfect embryo. And I was pregnant with him for five and a half months. And in November, I had to, he wasn't growing. The baby wasn't growing. And I had to, and I was like, am I? That was was recently? Yeah, it was this past November. Oh my God. And so I had to, I had to let him go. He was still alive. He just wasn't, he wasn't growing. And his name was Owen. And my sign for him is a blue butterfly, and he shows up for me everywhere. Oh, my God. So I had to let him go. And then— I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's 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 real. It's big stuff, and people go through this. And, and at five and a half months, that's really scary. Yeah. I then moved through that, and I continued to move through that, and I continue to face into that grief. And then just this past week, I—this is the story I've never told. I had this psychic sense that I was supposed to— have another child. And I was like, okay, maybe I have one miracle round of IVF in me 
And then I would try to get a surrogate because I didn't want to ever be pregnant again. And so I got a beautiful doctor. I'm going to shout out his name, Dr. Foreman at Columbia. He is he helped my friend conceive her son. And I just want to shout out his name to your girls because he's amazing. He's amazing. So if women are looking for someone. They're that, always looking. Yep. And long story short, I did I did the round. I started the round and my my follicles weren't growing. And he's like, let's cancel this round. And I was like, okay, we're done. We're done. And you've accepted it. This was yesterday. Oh, wow. So, wow. yeah. So I, because the thing about IVF, I'm 42. I'm not pushing myself beyond this point. You know, I'm done. I, my body's had enough. But the morning, this is beautiful. The morning before I got the news that I wasn't moving forward, I had this dream. And it was the most gorgeous dream ever. I was, I was, uh, all these little children kept coming to me. And it was like, the first was like a little boy with Down syndrome. And it wasn't my child, but he was like needing help. And so I was like nourishing and nurturing him and bringing him to this office, like a nurse's office and helping him. And then there was these three little girls with their mom and the mom was homeless. And I was like picking these little girls up and carrying them and soothing them and helping the mom. And then there was another little boy that I was helping because he had, he, he didn't have a parent or it was these back-to-back moments of me like helping these children and it felt so heart opening. And I felt like that was such a message for me that day, which is, you know, you can still be maternal and have a be a parent in many forms, even if it's not coming from your DNA. Right. And I have and I have a three year old who who is very much my DNA. <laughs> right, right. You have it. What is something that brought you joy pre quarantine that you realized you took for granted? I'm a motivational speaker. And being on stage in front of large audiences is my art. And so that art was very much taken away. Right. I could I gave countless talks on Zoom, but that sucks. <laughs> uh, and I did my best. You know, I started a podcast. I, I did a lot. I've done – I've probably been in front of more people in the last right. two years than I would have if I was live. Right. But it, it was – it has been extraordinary to get back onto stage yeah. And I'm so much. I'm going to go on my, my my podcast is called Dear Gabby. I'm doing a Dear Gabby live tour, and my agents were like, "Okay, do you want? We're going to treat it like a music tour. Like we're going to do like ten cities in a week." And I'm like, "I'm like old me would have been like, no, I'm too tired for that." And like right. 42, you're like, Gabby's like, let's fucking get on the road, <laughs> man. Like, can I bring my cat? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. And for me, I feel like it's the opposite. Like, I feel like I took for granted all of like the little things, like going out and grabbing a coffee, mm-hmm. dropping my kids off at school. Because I don't, I prefer to stay home. But it was those little things that I feel like I took for granted. I agree with that too, though. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people realized how much we took that for granted, just the little things that we did every day. So we both share our lives online. How do we continue to do so, but also take care of ourselves? Well, there's a lot of ways. I one. I'm very, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I, I share very vulnerably online, but then there's some very personal things. Like I don't show my son. I don't show my husband. Like there's like, so deciding like what's private, like what's like, what's your thing that you're not going to put out there. Right. And just keep that sacred. I think that's very valuable. And then I think, you know, whenever you're sharing anything, this is for everyone. If you're aligned with it and it's making you feel good and you feel like this is, this is my truth, this feels inspired, then it's mm-hmm. going to have an impact on others. If it's something like you're posting something, to, not you, like anyone listening, to show off or to be seen, that's not going to have an impact and a positive impact on anyone. Right. It's not also not going to really support your 
the growth of your, you know, platform in whatever way that is, because people are going to feel that bullshit coming through. Right. Yep. A thousand and so, percent. you know, I mean, I think that that's why you have such a beautiful following is because you're just you, you know, you're like, this is who I am. This is my life. This is I'm not trying to like pretend I'm something else. And that right. is what's felt. Right. So true. So can you tell us a little bit more about your your latest book, Happy Days? Yeah, it's um, it's a big book. It, it, it for anyone anyone that's struggling from anxiety, anyone that has depression, anyone that has unresolved trauma, which is every single human being, anyone who feels like they're not able to be present, anyone who feels like they are struggling in relationships or feeling unsafe in their body or feeling disconnected from things or people, you know, literally the human condition will be served by this book. And inside this book, I share my journey of moving through unresolved trauma. I share very openly about how I remembered childhood trauma. At 36 years old, I remembered it. It was something that had been so dissociated. I, I would run, was running from it for so many years. And then I had a dream where I remembered it. And I talk about all of the therapeutic and spiritual modalities that I've used to overcome the trauma and to be living with profound freedom and inner peace. And, you know, look, this book cover says the, you know, the guided path from trauma to profound freedom and inner peace. There's no fucking way I put my, my face on that cover if that was not really true for me. Right. I have profound freedom and inner peace. That's and I incredible. feel amazing. And I can trust that when I lost my son, I could move through that with faith. I, I, I remember losing the baby and thinking, this is what you've been training for, girl. You know, like right here, right now, you've been counseling women for decades on this kind of loss. And now here you are and you turn. are living proof that what you preach works, you know. And so I've lived a devotional path of, of, of feeling good, to feel good. And now I'm sharing it. But like, obviously, it's it's about feeling good and inner peace. But how? like, don't you have to feel like that unhappiness and sadness from something like that? This entire book is a journey of of how you go into the sadness so that you can come out the other side. Got it. Pushing. It's not like quick self-help tips for how to right. get over something. Right. It's this is deep shit. It's like, you know, going looking at your patterns, looking at the 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 triggers in your life and what the feelings are behind those triggers and the ways that you react to those triggers and touching into the the emotional state and befriending the trauma and befriending the anxiety. I'm almost afraid to like read it. Why don't you read it slowly? I'm very, very gentle with my reader. And I'm really aware that even just reading this kind of content can be scary. But the way to go into it is to, the goal is one, to know you're not alone. Because by hearing my story, you're like, oh, I'm not alone in this. Right. And then two, to know that there's a way out. And inside this book, I introduce extraordinary healing modalities, EMDR, which is I highly recommend to you. Um, the eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's all about reprocessing patterns, anxiety, trauma, wounds, um, somatic experiencing, which is a body-based therapy, uh, internal family systems therapy, which is all about befriending and caring for your inner inner parts. I mean, I go deep into all of it and took a lot. I, I've also been trained in some of these modalities so that I could write about them. And if somebody were to pick up this book, it's like, okay, the goal is I know now I'm not alone and I know there's a way out and she's literally showing me how. And you can do it at your own pace. Right. Well, this is incredible. Everyone should definitely 
buy this book, even if they're not going to commit to reading it all at once, just to have it by your bedside when you feel ready, right? I mean, that's what I'm going to do. Because even just buying this book or opening a book like this is actually a message to the universe. You're saying, I'm a yes for change. I'm a yes yep. for healing. And you don't have the to first do a step. single, it's a first step. It's a door opener. Anyone that's still listening to this podcast right now has said yes, yep. because they're still listening. It's so true. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you? How can the audience keep up with you and follow all things you? You know, I have this really rad podcast called Dear Gabby, where I coach people. And they come on. And I do these Dear Gabby sessions. People ask me anything. I want to go on your podcast. You I definitely want you to come on my podcast. <laughs> we can do – you have to be like when you're safe enough and ready to be Dear Gabby because that's the rule. <laughs> I definitely want to do it. Okay. So come on my podcast. I'll Dear Gabby you. That would be beautiful. And it's, so it's real-time coaching. And what happens as a result of that is that the listener borrows the benefit of what they experience right. in the other person. Right. And so that's a great place to find me. I'm at Gabby Bernstein on Instagram and other social channels. I'm TikToking. My brain's out now. <laughs> you know, I've got nine books. So this may not, this one might feel too heavy. There's Super Attractor, which is about manifesting. The Universe Has Your Back, which is also about manifesting. So this may, there, there are gateways into happy days. I love that. Well, thank you again for joining me on the podcast. And thank you to all the listeners out there. Please come back for more as we welcome some new guests to the podcast. Reach out to us with any questions or who you want us to bring on next. DM us on Instagram at Something Navy and we'll see you next week. That's a wrap for today's episode of In-House. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more thoughtful discussions and amazing guests. Make sure you follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And of course, Follow me at Ariel Charnis and at Something Navy. See you next week.